welcome to episode eight of From the Stands, the Cool Pick Show. Of course, I'm your host, Ryan Kolpitz. Thank you for joining us on another week of episodes. Before we begin, I would like to thank our sponsor, Matt Creative and Matthew DeCastro, for their artwork and time that they've been helping us with the show. If you guys need any artwork or design work, please let us know and we will connect you with Matt. Now let's bring Damon in. Oops. Connecting. Hey, how you yes. doing? Good. How are you, Damon? I'm doing good. Yourself? Good, man. Just, uh, you know, week nine, another day? Yes, another day. Yeah. I uh, woke up, we're healthy, and uh, once again, um, you know, you're thankful for your health and your wellness, and you always hope that, you know, the people are safe and, and healthy in their, in their families, you know, as they, we deal with, I guess, at some point, the ending of this quarantine. Um, but uh, I'm thankful in the in the meantime. Yeah, how is everyone on your end? You know, everybody's good. My family is good in, in California, and my brothers, uh, my mother and dad are well. Um, no issues there. I, I did have some cousins um, that did take on the virus and one cousin passed away about a, about a week and a half ago. They just had their, their funeral um, this past weekend on, on Saturday. They, oh man. I had a cousin who works um, in the hospitals and she had it, but she, she came through it. So it's, 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 for the longest, right? No one in your family, or you barely know anyone who actually, who have got COVID-19, but then all of a sudden it can come in bunches. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, my condolences to your family. Um, yeah. Pleasant for sure. And uh, to your point, hopefully this all ends uh, sooner than later and we can kind of start to go back to some normalcy in life. Yes. That'll take a while to get to, but um, yeah. Well, it's amazing, like, you know, it's the details uh, and the decision-making when to, you know, open up the country. And, and I mean, it takes more than just one person to make that kind of decision. You For know, sure. it has to be a strategy. Uh, things are in place. But I think Canada as a whole has done a really good job uh, compared to, you know, other countries that we've seen. And so, you know, kudos to Canada and their decision, quick decision to, make the, the country safe. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Yeah. Um, turning to some positive news, though, thank you so much for being on the show today. We're really excited to have you um, on episode eight as our guest. Um, so let's just hop right into it. Let's do it. Um, the first question I have for you, obviously everyone knows you're, you're big with the CFL. We'll get into that shortly. Mm -hmm. But you, in your the starting part of your career, you actually chose football over baseball. Um, what made you want to ultimately choose football over baseball as a career? Well, I think it's, since I was seven years old, I wanted to um, give myself opportunities. And so the reason why I played baseball and football the same, because those are the two sports that I desired to play and wanted the opportunity to play professionally. And so uh, since I was seven, uh, I was going from one sport to the next uh, throughout um, my childhood too. I got to university and then when it, it came true and it gave me the opportunity to play baseball or football, 
I basically chose the, the sport and they both gave me joy, but I chose a sport that allowed me to participate. And so I didn't think about money because it's, I think it was, might've been easier choice if I'd have thought about uh, pure money. And because we know baseball, it's a lot more money than it is uh, in the Canadian football league or playing football. And so I think for that, um, it was strictly on participating. I was starting quarterback at uh, Cal State Fullerton. And baseball, I was a middle reliever, middle reliever spot starter. And so there are some times, right, when you <laughs> – in a three-game series at, at your university. And, you know, our university, the year that we won the, uh, the national championship in College World Series, we played 88 games. So it's, it's almost like a professional schedule. And I was playing football at the same time uh, my four years at university. So um, being a middle reliever, you know, you may go through a three-game series and may not pitch at all because of how baseball is now. You got the starter, and usually when a starter gets lit in the first couple of innings, then the middle reliever has a chance to come in and, you know, and seal and slow down the runs of the other team. But then now, the, now once they added closers to it, there's a, a inning from five to uh, five to six, pretty much, where middle relievers are pitching now. Yeah. And so if you have a really good starter, really good uh, closer, then there, there are times that the middle reliever won't pitch at all. And so that's basically why I chose it. It was based pure on uh, uh, participation. I was an everyday player. Yeah, you want to make sure that you kind of get the action and you're not just sitting on the bench watching everything. No, for me, it's, it's all about participating. Like I said, I want to leave, leave this world. You only have one life to live. I want to participate in the things that I really enjoy. And I actually enjoy both sports, but football, I was an everyday player. Now, well, it's funny that you say that because you definitely participated a lot right off the hop in, in college. Um, I actually have to read this because there's so much to this one note. Um, but you led your team to two championships, but you also broke the NCAA record when you only threw three passes that were intercepted in over 300 attempts. What was that feeling like just having your name kind of put out there so early in your career and breaking those records uh, going through college um, ahead of what would be your career in the CFL? I think it's easy because when you look at the position quarterback, um, you know, I think there's three things that um, there's a lot of characteristics in being a, a good, really good quarterback, but there's three that, you know, a quarterback must have. One is toughness one is accuracy and, and and another one is and i don't have them in order and one is decision making so you have to have those three <laughs> in order to play really good football and i know part of decision making and leadership has everything to do with the decision i make on the field protecting the football and all those things so i grew up you know, looking at some of the great quarterbacks like the Joe Montana's, um, who else? Uh, the first quarterback I've ever seen was uh, uh, Joe Gilliam was okay. the first quarterback I've seen. I was a Steeler fan. And so I, I think from there, you realize, you know, when you deal with a lot of different coaches, they always talk about making good decisions. And so part of making good decisions and being a good leader as a quarterback is actually uh, protecting the football and not giving it away to the other team. And so I think I always had that innate when I played the game, 
um, and mindset. Um, I always had a feel for the game uh, based on how my defense is playing and how the totality of the game is. And so I always felt I can play any type of football that you need me to play, whether it's grind it out uh, or uh, a shootout, uh, you know, whatever it may be, the things I have to be able to do to make to help our team football team win. I think that was the one aspect um, that I wanted to learn. And that's what makes you um, a really good quarterback in my uh, estimation. Okay. And what made you want to be like a quarterback um, besides like a wide receiver or running back? Uh, <laughs> like you mentioned, you played you with your sport, like your time playing baseball and football. Obviously, you have to have a lot of speed in baseball as well, right? Um, so what made you want to become a quarterback versus a running back? Well, I always say that uh, leaders are not born. We hear that notion, leaders are born. But, you know, you know, good leaders, uh, it's like swimming. You know, it's, you got to participate <laughs> in, in the um, – you have to get into the water and participate to learn how to swim. And I think leadership is the same way. Uh, and so with that notion, I – basically tripped over the position okay. because when I first started playing football, I was a defensive back and, and this is how basically how it went. I was covering the receiver. The ball was overthrown, maybe because the ball was overthrown because I was covering him so tight, <laughs> but the ball was overthrown. I ran over there, picked it up and I threw it back to our coach and our coach said, we got, we found our quarterback. Gotcha. So in that sense, um, there's one thing I, I could always do. I could always throw because like in baseball, little league baseball, I was a pitcher and a variety of different things, but it was in that notion in football that I decided, you know, that I came, I became a quarterback just on a throwing it back to the coach. And then now I'm diving into that position and learning every aspect of it. And, and ultimately becoming the, you know, the player that I am today is due to the, the experience and diving into it studying the game and watching and learning, um, you know, as I'm going through to be the best version of myself, the best version of Damon. So, yeah, I mean, you played 22 years in the CFL mm -hmm. uh, over that 22 year span. You played for five different cities, uh, Toronto, obviously, as well as Edmonton. Uh, you played for Ottawa, Hamilton, BC, um, and even Memphis when they had a, a team in the league as well. What was your favorite city to play in out of all those cities that you uh, got to spend time in? My favorite city? I think they're always different because they're all part of my journey. And, and every aspect of the cities that I played in, you know, I learned something. So, for example, I would say, you know, Edmonton is the city that, that, that built the strong foundation for me. Okay. And and then now, you know, I was being sent off with a stronger foundation. Um, and so, you know, with that, I mean, that that's helped me with the foundation, you know, being taught properly how to play the game, how to play the CFL game uh, from an organization that, you know, before I got there, I mean, they, they're one of the best organizations in, in the league and, and, and still is today as an organization, as an organization standpoint. And so when I when I say I went to Ottawa, you know, and even though uh, Ottawa gave me a total different experience because I went from a, a really good team into a team that didn't know how to win, but 
that experience toughened me up and <laughs> prepared me to actually to play the rest of my career with, with, with a different mindset, um, a different understanding, um, you know, all those things that you, that you can learn and, and, you know, and bring into your arsenal that will make you a, ultimately a better football player. It's those kind of experiences that I, that I, that I say that, you know, every city's different and every yeah. experience is different. And, and I've learned something in every city and it, which is totally different too. And so I think a, a lot, I don't have to necessarily pick which is the best because in a sense, um, you know, the best situations are when you win the championship, a championship in any of the cities that you want. And so <laughs> did I think I was going to move around four or five teams? No, I always thought I was going to be at Edmonton my whole career. You know, the six years I was in Edmonton, we went to three great cups. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking like, man, this is my second year in the league and I'm already going to the great cups. So I'm figured, man, I'm going to go to many great cups uh, <laughs> just on this <laughs> team alone. And so I think uh, in that sense, it changes as you know life and decisions are made that sometimes are out of your control. But mainly, I, I do try to control the majority of the decisions I made, whether for me to move one team or the other. Because in reality, I've, I've really only been traded, you know, one two times out of the, you know the decisions I made to, to play on this team with that team. Well, for what it's worth, I'm glad you got sent to Toronto somehow, or <laughs> Toronto, because then I was able to see you play a little bit when I was younger, right? So um, I do remember getting to watch you play a little bit um, when I made it out to a few. Um, oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I then. hope I was entertaining. Yeah. Oh, hey, I mean, what football game isn't entertaining in itself, right? So, yeah. um, so it's funny that you mentioned also to the, the Grey Cup. So you ended mm-hmm. up winning two Grey Cups with Edmonton one with BC and of course one with Toronto. What do you have? I know it may be hard to pick one, but do you have one break up moment that was your favorite amongst the four? Um, you know, once again, I would say like each great cup has his own story. Yeah. Um, and the dynamic and the experience that you, you felt when you're actually playing on a team, because you know, from the beginning to the end, uh, for that team to win a championship, you know all the things that went on in, inside of it, right? The the, the challenges, the um, removing of players or adding players, uh, the, the struggles you have to go to to get to the team where you want it to be. Uh, so I won young in Edmonton. Um, I came back and won in Edmonton. Um, went to BC and I won there. You know, and when I, once I started moving around, I, I wanted to win a championship in every city that I played on. So I was fairly close Yeah, um, with uh, doing that. But I would say uh, one of the most enjoyable ones one uh, was the Toronto was the, one of the most enjoyable because of the dynamic and everything that I went through from the fractured leg to playing against my old team that I predict prior to the game that we was going to play them because you couldn't write the script um, for the ending of, uh, you know, me getting a chance to play, you know, for a team that, you know, I think in a sense, you know, said that my good days were behind me. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was really neat uh, to predict that we were going to play the BC Lions before their, their Western final game. 
Yeah. And we had just won the Eastern final and, and the reporter asked me like, you know, who are you going to play? And I said, <laughs> you can't write this script. I know we're going to play the BC Lions because, and what's made it kind of unique too, is the two times in the regular season, I didn't play against the Lions in those two regular season games. And so this was the first time they're facing me that season, which is at the great cup game, which at the end of the day, you know, if you know statistics, you know, there's 15 million people will watch the game sparingly and you'll have about seven or eight million will watch it from first quarter. So that's the biggest stage in Canada. And so, and you always want to perform on the biggest stage because that's what people remember. They don't remember what I did week 10. If I ask you, what did I do in week 10 in my 15th year? You're going to say, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, through the ball. That's all I know. Right. You're going to say, I, well, you, I, I'm pretty sure you played that game. But uh, if you if, if you have a person like, what do you do in the Great Cup games? Then you'll run it off those things because fans, that's what fans remember. Now, so I would say, I would say the, the Toronto against the BC Lions, you know, not only I was, uh, I was in my 40s and, you know, from that win, the next year I became uh, MOP of the league. And so sometimes when I'm li- with you, if I would listen to Wally Bono at the time when he was saying that, you know, they're trading me, my good years are behind me. And if I would have believed that, or I might have retired on the year 19, but I, I decided to go forward because I knew I had more in me. And, and I believe that I can win another championship. And so um, that was most rewarding. And it was definitely redemption, I would say. Uh, <laughs> yes. In my books, that would be. I use I use everything to motivate me, so <laughs> that's it's not hard to do. So um, I'm, I'm I'm a lot like Jordan uh, in a sense of the mindset when you're being questioned, being doubted, people don't think you can do it. I mean, and the slightest thing can I use as motivation to prove to show you that I'm capable of still dominating that in my forties. That's incredible. Um, yeah, it's definitely, there's so many ultimating factors that go into someone's motivation um, <laughs> and what really drives a player to perform to their best capabilities, but also to just to kind of shut out the haters and, and prove to them also too, like, yo, I'm here to compete. I'm here to play. Um, no, absolutely. Yeah. It's not, I don't focus so much on people uh, that much. But it's I, I focus on getting myself prepared, and so I use everything to to get me prepared um, to play the game. Because, like I said, it's it's about you know your journey, you know <laughs> how long you want to play, and the impact you want to make on the game, and those things. And so those are things I focus on. You know, Ronnie Lott told me one day, he said, "Damon, stay on scholarship," and I knew exactly what that meant. Play as long as you possibly can do. And I, and the funny thing, I could have played longer. I could have played a couple more years after I retired. But. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I ran into you this past season at BMO Field at an Argos game. Mm-hmm. And you looked top fit that you can still <laughs> must, must move out on, the, out on the field and get uh, thank you, balls thrown down the yard. So, um you, you talked about how you played some kind of softer games. You played some tougher games where you really put in grit and, and hardness into those games. Is there one game out of all the games that you've played? I know, obviously, um, that could be 
there's so many games that kind of circled around this question, but is there one that kind of stands out as like the toughest game you've played, or is there an individual that you competed against or faced off against like quarterback to quarterback that um, stood out in your mind as a really tough, like component or opponent, sorry, um, where you're like, okay, if I beat him, this is going to be huge. Well, I, in, in the, in the nineties, when Flutie was in Calgary and I was in Edmonton, you know, it was that battle of Alberta and, you know, we would go down to, you know, their stadium and they'll, they'll beat us and they'll come to Edmonton and we'll beat them. But I pretty, I, I'd probably say my level of competition um, was really great. I mean, we had great quarterbacks in our league during the time I was playing as well. And so not to take nothing away from the, the you know, the quarterbacks we see today, but I'm pretty sure that when I was playing, you know, I played against six other Hall of Famers quarterbacks uh during my time playing in the game and so the level of competition uh we game in and game out uh is very important so i think i think one of my fluid was always uh you know brought the best uh because you know we both felt our a games <laughs> uh when we play our a games it, you know it's, it's tough to beat us um but at the same time um his style of play, how they played offense, and how we played offense, um, was was different as well, right? They threw the ball a lot more. Uh, we were a running, play action, and uh, throwing the football type of team, and so whatever style that was, right? And that's why I say I can play any type of game. I can play a game where fifty percent is running and another fifty percent is passing, or I I've been in situations where I won MOP. Of, we're pretty much was a passing team. So I think in that sense, my adaptability to be able to play different styles of offenses and the same time to get into a ball game where it is a grind out kind of ball game. I can play that one as well um, because there are times that I had to carry the ball more. Uh, I was asked to do both. I was asked to carry the football and throw the football. And so, you know, I always look at myself different than most quarterbacks. I was a two-way player. They were one-dimensional. So, now talking about being that two-way player, I'm also a Hall of Famer uh, type caliber. Uh, in 2004, you actually passed Warren Moon's uh, mm -hmm. record for the all-time passing leader um, with the Toronto Argonauts. Was it, what was that moment like um, for you and um, for those around you, like either in your family or your teammates? Um, to kind of just cement your name in that legacy? Well, I think, you know, the unique thing, that you have different uh, thought process about that because it's, it's not like, I think in a sense, you know, I snuck up on it. You know, because, you know, my probably my first 10 years, everyone thought I was just a running quarterback, right? And so all of a sudden, until you break the record, you go, oh, shit, <laughs> the guy <laughs> can throw the football too. And so I, I think in that sense, for me, I always knew my capabilities, um, but it might have been only one time I've ever looked at the record books, and that was like the early in my career, after we won the Great Cup in uh, 87 or 86. I remember we were on the field, and it was me, Matt Dunnigan, and Tracy Hamm, and we were actually looking at the record books, and we see, you know, Ronnie Lancaster. And, 19 years so we couldn't at that point we couldn't fathom 19 seasons and then at the same time we couldn't fathom like 50,000 yards that's how many yards you threw for and so in that that sense that was pretty much the only time I actually really uh 
look at the record books until you get to the point where in year 16, uh, I broke Ronnie Lancaster's record, which he held for 22 years. Oh, wow. He held it for 22 seasons, his 50,000 yards. And I broke it year 16. And then eventually I put it to 72,000. And I didn't hold mine to three, to, for three years. So it, it let me know also the, the evolution of the passing game and how much we're throwing the football now than before. And so it, it gives me the understanding of like how great Lancaster was. And, and how the era has continued to evolve and the game has continued to evolve. And so that allows me to appreciate every every skill set uh, and every quarterback there that had an imprint on our game. But, yes, I'm pretty sure it, it uh, surprised a lot of people because of their thought process behind me. I'm a running quarterback. Come on, you can't tell me, though, you weren't sitting back in the day and, all right, let's see what records I can break while I'm out of career. No, I wasn't. I was just really just playing the game. <laughs> no, it's good to know because, like, a lot of people um, I know, like, I play um, baseball, basketball, just obviously with men's leagues, but I look at each year, like, we have, like, our home run leaders, and then I, I always check that just to see, okay, how many home runs do I need to go and try and be, right? Because it, it adds a fun component to it, but obviously – when you're playing in a more professionalized sports right. league, there's more important things to worry about than trying to break someone. Well, because I'm only focused really on like winning and trying to win a championship or the different teams I'm playing. You know, those things come when they, you start to get the notice that the game is close and then you, you're aware of it. But so, you know, there was a time that, you know, the league would mention, somebody would mention, oh, yeah, do your. 200 yards away from the, the 70 mark and, and those things. And then now you start to become a, pre, a, a prevalent to, you know, what's going on, you know, week in and week out to break the record. I mean, I remember the game that we, when I did break the record, there was a bet on the sidelines talking about who bet each receiver bet each other saying who's going to get the left, the catch to break the record. Cause I only needed five yards. They only needed five yards and a catch. So they're all betting like who's going to get the catch. And then, the play that I broke the record on was a, a broken play. Me ex expanding the time and breaking outside attainment, I threw a bomb down the field, which they say was significant, uh, significant to what uh, and how I played the game. And so I needed five, but I ended up going to a 50-something yard touchdown off of a <laughs> buying well, time, breaking containment, and, and those kind of things. And so it's cool uh, when you look at it that way. But yeah, I mean, I, when you believe that you're skillful and you play with uh, great intelligence and you believe in your skills, you know, for me, it's like if I if I play more games than you do, <laughs> and the record should fall. That's yeah. it's automatic. So now a lot of people um, in just like if you're at Argo games or at BMO games and someone sees you and recognizes you. They may come up and ask you for a picture, and there's a lot of people that look up to you um, from your time in the CFL, time with Toronto, and um, how you helped to win a great cup as well. Um, has there been someone in your life that you look up to uh, personally that helps motivate you uh, each day, um, whether it was in your career or even now? Well, the person I, I, I watch 
from his university to his professional was Warren Moon. Okay. Um, and I had conversations with him. And so, you know, when I found out he went, didn't get drafted in the NFL, but he's playing in the Canadian Football League. So I was paying attention to his career. And, and you know, during my college career, you know, you hear that, oh, he's the Edmonton. There was a time, which is kind of funny, there was a time when the NFL uh, had a strike year in 1982. That was my brother's strike year. <laughs> and he was on his way. He won rookie of the year, but he was on his way because I think he had like 14 touchdowns, eight, eight games, and he still won rookie of the year. And they had their strike. But then they started showing Edmonton Eskimo games. At this time, I didn't know the Eskimos had my rights. Supposedly, they had my rights since I was a sophomore at university at Cal State Fullerton. My coach didn't tell me that I was the property of the Eskimos until my senior year. So I followed Warren Moon, uh, watched his career, um, understand the things that he went through. Um, I was born in the 60s, and so I already have the mindset and the understanding of history and those things. And so I, I would say Warren Moon was that person that uh, opened the door or walked me through or to the Canadian Football League uh, because that's the position I wanted to play and the NFL wanted to change my position because they saw me as a more athletic uh, quarterback and not necessarily quarterback, but more athletic than the position. Yeah. And so that's why I already knew, you know, I knew of the, the current Hobbyways, uh, the J.C. Watts, and all these guys were already in CFL at the time. And so I wanted to play quarterback, and that was my whole notion. Now, from all of the um, time and effort and records that you broke and your MVP nods and everything uh, collectively, uh, that earned you a, not, um, sorry, a nomination into the 2012 Canadian mm -hmm. Football Hall of Fame. Um, what was it like to get that call and just know that all of your hard work, determination, um, work ethic, all the early travels, the everything combined um, made it to that one point where you got your name put into that hall? Well, when I, when I received the phone call, I was already doing things with the commissioner at the time. So I, I wasn't expecting that phone call because um, when he got on the phone, I, I went away told. I right away told him, I said, yeah, I'm going to see you at the event tomorrow, right, or something like that. He said, no, that's not what I'm calling for. I'm calling for the induction. And the reason why you're always surprised and you're always in shock because growing up, that's not the thing that we, we focus on um, as a, a young athlete. You know, all we want to do is win championships. And those are the things that we envision. I mean, we never grow up saying, I want to be a Hall of Famer. Like, no one does. And mm -hmm. so for me, uh, when you get the call, you're always uh, surprised, even though, in a sense, you know, based on your career and what you've done, you, you, you have some <laughs> some notion that you're <laughs> you have a chance to get in there. But the call is uh, still very surprising and humbling. And so um, that that's the one thing I can really say is it's, it was surprising at the time. And it was humbling, too, because. That's not something that you actually play for and all those things. But then you understand the, the dynamic and the importance of being on a, a team like that because 
think at that time there were there were only 250 players in the hall. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, hey, congrats! It's quite an honor to be part of that uh, that name <laughs> in the hall for sure. Um, my last question for you is: in case we have any viewers that want to or kind of like are looking to build a career in football, starting to get into football, mm-hmm. you know, whether they're in high school, college, or anything like that, what's kind of like your messaging that you want to share with the young kids that want to try and build uh, a career and get their name involved in football to some degree? I think it, it starts with, at some point in their career or their lives, they have to start thinking about what they want to do in life. Uh, what age that may be, I don't know. Uh, some people knew right away what they wanted to do. I knew what I wanted to do at seven and eight years old. Um, some people get it a little bit different, but one is to um, find the passions in your life figure out what you want to do in life and then you let none stop you <laughs> stop oh. you into learning um find out all the information that you need to find out about the sport or the um profession that you want to get into and go after it um, with the tenacity and the joy um and the humbleness and the hard work that it takes to make anything happen in life. Um, and every profession we need <laughs> in life because we, we need the people who work really hard. We need the, the entertainers and the, <laughs> the sportsmen to put a smile on their face. And at the same time, uh, you know, every profession is so important. You know, we need our educators. Uh, if you want to be a doctor, we, we need you to create, uh, heal, you know, all those things, they all play a part in uh, making this earth uh, run as smooth as we're su- supposed to. And so for me, you know, that's why we always say, you know, the generation, uh, <laughs> the youth is the, is the, we got to prepare the youth for the next uh, leaderships on this earth because they're going to have to look at, uh, and I'm pretty sure they're going to look at earth much different than our forefathers did. Uh, probably the way we did, um, you know, especially with uh, this huge technology and, you know, how easy technology is to for young people uh, compared to myself. I'm still learning about uh, technology. But I think there's just, first and foremost, find the, the things that make them happy. And if you can make money doing it, then that might be a profession for you. Well, hey, that's a great way to, or great words of inspiration for the next generation, for sure. Yes. And considering that you said you're not really that great with technology, I'm still learning, believe me, I'm still learning. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm still learning, but it's been a lot of fun. And I think in a sense, you just, you know, continue to be creative no matter what situation that we're in. You know, you got to continue to learn. You got to continue to take care of your body. You know, the the body's made of blood, water, and spirit. So there's a spiritual component that we have to look after and be mindful of. And that's what made it easy for me to go through this quarantine because I think of mind, body, and soul, or mind, body, and spirit. And I work on those three components or those three categories uh, every day, which makes it uh, unique to work, you know, what I'm going to work on 
today with my body or what I'm going to read or what I'm going to learn today. But I'm always going to spend time with the Most High God as well. And you know what? That's so important, too, because without physical or sorry, without mental health, there is no physical health. That's right. And it's so important to have that equal balance of both and making sure that, yeah, we could eat everything that's healthy and no junk foods or anything. But without a strong uh, mental game as well, then there is no physical game. No, absolutely. That's why, you know, when when we use tripods, tripod has three legs compared to two. Right. So if we're just working on our mind and body. (laughs) <laughs> the spiritual component is that third leg that will allow us to stand with the uh, if there's a storm coming. So we know that a two-legged tripod will fall over, <laughs> but a three-legged one will manage to stand a little bit more firmer, right? And so that's why we deal with things in threes, you know, whether it's history, yep. present state, future, right? So I'm actually going to borrow that one because I've never heard of that one before. And (laughs) you can use it. It's a great one to use because, um, yeah, that just nails the head right down on it um, with everything as well. Absolutely, man. Well, Damon, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Um, We were really excited to have you on the show. And uh, feel free to reach out anytime, even if you want to just have a chat and uh, no, hey, no question. I appreciated the, the the chatting that we've had since I've been doing by, uh, you know, um, the whole nine yards with uh, many different uh, people. But, you know, tune in on Thursday. We've got an interesting conversation uh, with a player that played 10 years but also was a referee. And uh, there's interesting information um, that we're going to share that's uh, – kind of unique and I guess a lot of people don't look at as well and so I'm looking forward to that conversation and so Thursday and what time is it Thursday 4 o'clock Eastern time on uh, at Damon Allen 9 Instagram live on Thursday great well thank you Damon so much for taking the time and uh, everyone that's watching make sure to go tune in give Damon a follow you won't be disappointed in the content and um, yeah tune into his lives just like you are with mine Damon, thanks again. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate it, brother. All right, take care, man. Bye-bye.